My guest on this week's episode of Susan Search is Damon Gawkner, founder of Aspiro Agency. Damon is a serial entrepreneur, popular conference speaker, and one of the generally coolest people on the planet. You may have seen Damon in his famous beard at conferences such as PubCon, State of Search, MKE Search, and Brighton SEO, to name just a few. Damon is an engaging personality, he regularly appears on webinars, and is a frequent podcast guest. Damon is an expert in a wide breadth of subjects ranging from paid search, paid social, and local SEO. I listened to Damon's presentation at PubCon Florida, and I'm going to start our conversation talking all about it. The presentation was about how to appear more prominently in local searches. Damon takes our audience through all the different nuances of GMB. Later in our conversation, I asked Damon about changes to Google Ads for small businesses. Stay tuned to hear Damon talk about how these changes might be helping Google, but they aren't helping small businesses or their advertising partners. Damon is also the co-owner of the Denton Diablo soccer team. I talked to Damon shortly after the Diablos completed a national championship run for the ages. It's a great story. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Damon Gawkner. We'll talk about the importance of adding photos and videos to GMB, how savvy marketers are using Google Posts and Q&A, we'll spend a little time talking about the legendary dinner where he and I first met. Damon, welcome to Susan Search. How are you doing? I'm good, Mark. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. This is going to be a hard one because... I want to catch up with you on a bunch of stuff about eating steak and soccer and everything else, but this is a search marketing show and an audience who expects it. So I'm going to do my best to, to stay on track at least for a little while. But I'll say this, um, if you're in Miami, go to Barton G's. If you're in Miami, go to Barton that's G's. Right, go to Barton. But that's it. Enough of that. Get a buddy, split, split a, a tomahawk ribeye. Yep. Yep. Get some lobster tail. Yep. This is my, my new BFF, man. I love it. How are you, bud? I'm doing great. It's great to have you on. We met at PubCon for like the audience who's listening here. And um, I got to hear you speak. So this is my first time hearing you present. And you talked about some specific things uh, that you can do to appear more prominently in local searches. So you took the audience through different fields in Google My Business. And before we do that, and I want to go into those point by point, but you start out by saying, you know, what are the ranking factors? What are most important Talk about the white spark ranking factors was kind of taken from David Mim. Yep. You know, as you think about it, what do you think are the most important ranking factors? And as we sit here in September 2021 in local SEO. Yep. No, that's good. I appreciate that. We have this conversation all the time internally. So we talk about when we talk about local SEO is, you know, we talk about, in my mind, two organic positions primarily. Right. We talk about the map pack listings. And when we talk about map pack listings, so we'll start there. We, we speak almost primarily about your GMB profile. So, you know, Greg and I have spent countless hours together beating the drum of GMB is your new homepage. Um, and for most searchers, uh, for a lot of local businesses specifically, they might not ever hit your homepage. They might literally just go to your GMB profile um, or to map listings or to other type of listings. Um, so for a lot of people, um, you know, that's the first place they want to think about for their local business. And that's the first place they want to start to address. And it's one of the, I don't want to say easiest, but it's one of the most instantaneous results that you can see is appearing in the map pack better, um, by getting your GMB profile cleaned up, by garnering better reviews, um, by doing a good job and driving good results on that regard. So yes, number one there, MG, your MG, your, your, excuse me, your GMB profile, hugely important and then proximity. And you can't really change that if you're a multi-location business, though, and you have some ability to start getting, you know, offices or doing something with service areas, then there's definitely more opportunity. 
Um, but then the second part of that, you know, when map packs aren't, and even within the map pack to some degree, when you get to the organic rankings below that, um, you know, some things never change. It's content. Most local sites do such a poor job um, of really honing in on all of the different ways that consumers are speaking about their product. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, I do garage door repair, or I do HVAC or whatever. But yeah, there's so many, there's so much content and there's so many things that people are searching for in all the different ways. And so, um, you know, we're, I'm constantly harping on businesses to A, tell their story, right? And to, to be a, an authoritative voice in their community about their business, whatever their, if you're the break guy, tell people why they need better breaks and the, the break technologies and whatever it is, tell that story that locally. And then behind that, so it's content and it's links. Um, you know, I think from a, a local business perspective, businesses just, specifically small to medium-sized businesses, they don't think at all about link building uh, unless, you know, the owner's really keen on learning digital marketing and has, has been to a, a Mahaz blog or something weird and, and picked up on it. But for the most part, um, they don't spend time thinking about link building. So, you know, we're huge proponents of, uh, of not just link building in the traditional sense of we've got to find the biggest, most authoritative sites, but link building from just embedding yourselves in the community. So sponsoring the PTA Chili Cook-Off and sponsoring the local 5K and sponsoring right. the neighborhood Little League team and partnering with the church and, part and sponsoring that organization. But all of those are links and whether or not they're follow or, do, or you know no follow links and whether or not they're high DA, they all have tons of local authority and relevancy that they're passing. Um, and for us, we know for, for local, those are going to help us drive rankings. Specifically, we want to be found not only topically, but geographically as well. So we need that location proximity um, element to our listing and to our and our entity, if you will. So I'll get off my soapbox, but that's the one that we, the drums that we've been beating over and over and over again. So you know, how can we have a better GMB profile, pictures, posts, Q and A's? What are we doing to be responsive there and to really look like we're engaged with our with our consumers and with our clients and our customers and referrals and lead all the and, and reviews and all those things. And then on the flip side, how can we generate more content that really speaks to our clients and or to our customers um, that tells how we live in the community and how we help the community and all the other things maybe that are ancillary to our business, but support the community and then build links that support that as well. Well, awesome. I want to talk about a lot of things you, you touched on there. So let me start with uh, GMB and post specifically. So yeah. I was on a, a show recently and someone there was they were skeptical that there was like this direct relationship between posts and sales like how did it work you know, from your point of view why should small businesses take advantage of posts and gmb well i mean in my mind like if, if from a brand perspective like you know i think small businesses forget that they have a brand and their brand can drive significant search and you can own a location services in that area just branded and everybody knows yeah mclean's what do you need oh yeah just go to mclean's or what do you like you got problems yeah just you know bob's what tire and auto like for some of these businesses they can own their backyard as a brand but they do a poor job of necessarily creating that right um i agree yeah so but then you know you get in behind that and i think there's just more elements that sometimes local businesses get lost at right uh, and kind of lose track of so 100 percent all right. And I would say I'm, I'm convinced that posts are very important. Do you have any tips for writing good posts in GMB? I think they're hugely important. I think the most part, like 
we forget like what we're talking to. So, you know, there's some different post styles, but, um, you know, I think businesses for, and a lot of times small to medium businesses forget about the seasonality of their business, forget about the different ways that consumers are coming in and out of their, their customer journey, whatever that is. Um, you know, all of the moments that are happening in the zip geist of everything else, if you're going back to school, then we, there's back to school messaging and there's things that you should be thinking about in whatever local service business you have. So they all have, they probably have 15 to 20 automatic messages that they can sit down and write without even thinking that happen at different weeks in the year. And poster, in my mind, it's the perfect thing where it's not a blog article. You don't have to write a 500 to 800 word article and have links and it's a chance to really speak to your consumer almost as like a as like a whiteboard or an easel like you used to set out in front of your shop, you know what I mean, for people to walk by and see. That's how I try to tell and talk to my clients about what they need to be thinking about post as. And then if posts do something and we have some learned learning and insight that we gain or out of it, if there's a lot of questions, then cool, we pop all of that content into a into a question, right? And we load that ourselves as a question and answer and upvote it and do the whole thing. Um, if a promotion does well, though, and a certain type of post does well, then cool. We notate that and, and see, can we make another post like that? If it's a promotional, was it product driven? Was it community driven? Was it story driven? Was it inside, behind the scenes? Was it some of our other, you know, a lot of local businesses partner with cool, you know, have cool partnerships and have other things that they don't explore from a content perspective. Posts give you a way to, to kind of check those really quickly. And if it doesn't work, cool, just delete it and load another one. But you have a chance for, in my mind, at least 50 to 100 posts that could be very similar to what you're posting from a social content or what you would want to boost on a social play. You know what I mean? Like your post is going to be very visible if anybody clicks into your GMB profile. So knowing that, it's your chance to really create like a rotating billboard, if you will, within your GMB profile. And I think once they think of, once businesses see it as like, Oh shit! Like that's free impressions. Like that's you know like that's a yeah. that's a another like almost free channel within the channel. Then I think they start to view it a little yeah. differently. But you're right, you know. Like at first, I didn't really understand post. It took me, you know, it took listening to some some stuff with Greg was and how they were using it, Julie Joyce and how she was using it, some other people that are really smart that I appreciate and go, oh, that's a darn good idea. Let's test that. Let's see. And hey, what do you know? Yes. It, it, and 100%, like anecdotally and quantitatively, we've seen that it drives phone calls, it drives driving directions, it drives some of those other things. Specifically, if you have any kind of event stuff happening or you have anything, you know, um, for some of our clients that are in um, the, like a client that's in the HVAC space, um, they had a really, like right around the freeze and all of that, they made a lot of GMB, they made a GMB yeah. post that was specifically speaking and then did it? we did a call tracking number embedded right. in that. And hey, what do you know? We got a lot of calls specifically for this one action item. And we had like three different service lines. Hey, if you need, because they do heating, electrical, air conditioning, kind of the whole thing. So they had, you know, stuff that had gone out and stuff that had frozen and stuff that had broken from a pump and electricity standpoint. Then they had other stuff from heating element standpoint. And then their plumbing side of their business was just totally overwhelmed. So they literally, and it's one business, so they literally had a post that had different things and call outs to different parts of their site and different phone numbers just for that. And I think that's how you think, in our minds, that's how we've had success when thinking about post. Awesome. I mean, I, I want to just go through, like if there's somebody listening to this who really wants to know about how to have a, a complete GMB, um, Damien, you're a really good resource for this. The other thing that you talked about in that 
PubCon speech was adding photos and videos into GMB. Huge. My first question is kind of an obvious one. For you guys at Search Lab, we notice this all the time, but for, for you guys, is this the most underutilized totally. portion of GMB? Is this the, the part that people just aren't taking advantage 100%. of? Okay. Right behind post and right behind Q&A. And I don't think they understand post and Q&A as well. And I don't know that the post and Q&A is, is immediately impactful. Like you upload really good images and your profile changes. Just do a test. If you're a local small business owner and you don't think about it, then just do a test and have you know leave a review for a business somewhere and post a picture of it and post a picture of the outside of the building and post a picture then of your meal or whatever you did inside and you would be astonished at how many people view like and appreciate like upvote your pictures for that local business in that review which just further illustrates and validates that searchers are looking for things that give them trust that make them feel good and so as a business what I tell them all the time, that you know, it, when they first gave us control of pictures, we really, really harped on it. And I felt like it was a bigger message that we stood on as a local SEO community. And I feel like we just kind of forget the basics sometimes. But if you don't take control, then either way, whatever people post and upload for your GMB can get attached as a review picture or just as they can just upload pictures. And if you have no pictures uploaded and you have no videos, then if it gets attached and, and tied with enough relevancy... Google can just assign other Google images to your GMB profile. So for all those reasons and more, right. you want to control that story and that narrative. And you, you know, yeah. we, you know, I know um, other auto dealer service um, agencies have felt the same pain, but I don't know how many auto dealers we've looked up and in their profiles or auto collision repair places and in their profiles are just pictures of totally demolished cars. And like, I get it, but that might not be what we want to be seen for our first image or our profile image or, you know, the first six or seven, maybe we show off some of our better work. Maybe we show off new cars. Maybe we show off repaired after the photos and not just the befores. So yeah, you know, I think it's just for a lot of different reasons. I think businesses just forget. I mean, Especially if you're doing anything in a creative space and you're producing anything that's custom or different, then you have a like an endless trove of, of just a, a, you know evergreen content that's coming through that you can always just be updating. So you know I think about anybody that's in the florist business or anybody that's in weddings or anybody that's in an event business, anybody that's you know caterers, anybody in anything that's even like to some degree auto dealers like you've got new cars and new vehicles coming through all the time you've got pictures of people buying vehicles all the time you've got a lot of content from a picture standpoint that tells a great story so we're always and i know that's hard but thankfully you know 93 percent of people are walking around with smartphones in their pocket so um there's typically all a way to get a decent photo so trying to then work with, you know, that's part of the hardest process for us is trying to work with the businesses to make the things that we want a part of their business process. All right, cool. Who handles the, you know, who handles the putting the bow on and the picture taking internally at the dealership? Great. Can we make when they send that or email that to the newsletter people or to whatever else? Can we get it sent to us so we can post it to their GMB form? Can we, you know, how do we get embedded in the business processes? And practices so that we can get what we want out of it that's going to help you from an organic standpoint same thing with link building a lot of times when you go talk to local businesses if they're of, of any of scale they're doing other things oh yeah we're gonna you know i always ask them like what are all of the events and associations that you're a part of that you support or that you're going to sponsor this year and then every one of them we want to make sure that we're getting some sort of link from well when we start there there could be three four six links and new linking domains that are super powerful and super local 
low-hanging fruit that nobody even thought through. And in local, that's a, that's a game-changing amount of links. 100%. So I, I love it. One, I mean, that could be for um, us a quarter me, or a half a year's worth of link building oh, efforts. And I know that sounds crazy, but oh, small, sometimes small businesses, that's local. yeah, they don't need much. We don't need 10, 20, 30 links a month. You know, we need 10, 20, 30 links for the year and we'd be super thrilled. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the next area, I, and you've touched on a couple of times is Q&A. And I thought if I could compliment you and Greg, because you guys co, kind of co-presented in this speech, you guys did a really good job of volleying it back and forth and building off of one another. He had some hilarious examples of Q&A gone terribly wrong. Yep. And you have some really practical tips for how to do it right. Yep. What are savvy businesses doing to take advantage of Q&A? What are the savvy businesses doing right? Well, I mean, you know, if you own your own business, then I think you got to have your GMB app on your phone so that you can respond like as quickly as possible, right? Yeah. So like, or make it a part of your daily business practices to like pull up and log in. So if that's setting yourself a five minute reminder every day, what did it, whatever it is. But I think that's like the first part is if you're not actively managing it, there's not a great notification system always. For us, it hasn't always been like foolproof that we're going to get notified of every question. So making it like an active management is probably the hardest part for small business owners. And I totally get that. Um, but to your point, like there's all kinds of ways that you can get ahead of customers and you just got to, you know, we talk all the time about empathy being our greatest asset. So just putting ourselves in the mindset of like, why, what are they searching for? What questions are they going to have? If I didn't know anything about X, Y, Z business, what questions would I have as a consumer, right? And then asking, you know, everybody in the office that same, we'll probably get six or seven good questions out of that and that deserve good answers. And then going through and mining. So, you know, we always talk to the social teams. We talk to not only the front step, the, the owners, but like who's answering the phones. Can I talk to a technician? Can I talk to, you know, can I talk to the guy working in the service center? Can I talk to the manager of sales? Can I talk to some of those guys to see what questions they're getting all the time and what they wish consumers knew? Because you can seed those Q&As, um, and that's the thing right. Greg and I talk about all the time. You can make the Q&A your own if you want to. So if that's the case, then let's go ahead and uh, come up with all of the things we wish our consumers knew and not just let the Q&A go off on some tangented, you know, off left field, you know, and Completely. Greg's seen way, yeah. thank goodness, Greg's seen way more off the rails. But it's really like, if you just think about it, the people that respond to Q&As, are just anybody. Anybody can respond to an answer. So it's just like everything else in Google. You know, if you don't respond, somebody else is. And if you leave it to the 80-20 rule, 20% yeah. of the world's going to respond with an answer you appreciate and 80% are going to be jackasses. Uh, so you, you got to filter those guys out, man. You know, and the easiest way to do that is provide a good answer that other people appreciate, upvote, respond to. And then, you know, we, we talk about all the time the power of just, you know, circulating that amongst then uh, internally to, to get buy-in. Cool. So can we go upvote that answer from a couple different, pro, um, you know, profiles so that it gets some positive so that now it's the answer that's going to get featured and now we start to have some control there. And none of that's negative. Like, no, that's the best answer out of that query. We make no beef and bones about that. We support that answer and that's why it shows up. So knowing how to maybe take a little more control and to maybe think through your Q&A. Every business is different. Some businesses Q&A is nothing to it. Like, you know, your business is so simple and there's not much to it, but typically there's a bunch of questions people have and it's and as your business evolves through COVID, through pandemics, through seasonal changes, through construction, through, you know, whatever it is, legislative changes, everybody has changing business environments. So, you know, it's another great place just like Post 
And that's what we talk about all the time. If we're getting questions through our calls, if we're getting questions through some other channel, if we're facing the same issues, let's get in front of that with the Q&A. And a lot of websites have, to some degree, some Q&A content on their website to begin with. Like, you know, that was part of their facts and about us. And great, can we get your facts, right? Your frequently asked questions page. Can we get, you know, do you have live chat on your thing? Do you have a bunch of email responses? Do your customer service that handles your email team and your email responses, do they get a lot of the same questions over and over that we could get in front of? So, you know, none of this is groundbreaking. I'm not a genius by any means, but I think a lot of times we just fail to maybe think critically about how we could approach this and maximize the opportunities. I completely agree. Well, I, I want to talk to you just, this is the last one on GMB and then we've got a f- couple other questions for you, but Shoot. I know reviews, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk to you about reviews. I Huge. just think you, you cannot run a bad re- reputation. Reviews just to me are more important than a lot of the other stuff. Totally. Uh, your advice at, at PubCon, it's something I'm preaching it's anytime I can, is that you really need to have a, re- a strategy for your reviews. So many businesses I think are reactive. Totally. Um, they're playing defense totally. with their reviews. I'm curious, you're, you're a sports guy. How do, you, how do you go on offense and develop a strategy to get more good reviews? No, 100%, man. I think it's like everything else. Like if you want to win, you got to reverse engineer the win, right? So we, we know what the other team's going to play. We do our scouting on that, right? So we know what, what people don't like, right? And we know um, how consumers think. So I know through Bright Local's done a bunch of studies on this, and I love their data, but, you know, like 73% of consumers will never be asked for a review. They're just literally never pitched. So one in four will be asked for a review. So to your point, just a process. 67% of respondees said that they, that if asked, they would be, you know, very welcome to leave a review. So, like, it tells me people want to tell about the experience. We just have to give them a reason to tell about the experience and, like, give them some place to talk to that outlet. So we talk all the time about arming and reverse engineering the relationship of like, hey, from the very first customer contact, whether that's on the phone and then correspondingly the very first physical contact, if there's some sort of physical interaction, we need to be setting the expectation that, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Mr. XYZ, whatever the situation is, you know, we absolutely want you to leave us a positive review at the end of this engagement. That's our goal for this experience. And that when you tell people what your goal is, and, you, and especially when the goal is intrinsically tied and connected to a, to a mutually beneficial goal for themselves. If I tell you, Mark, I want this to be an excellent podcast today. That's the same thing you want. So we're automatically aligned. Yeah. And this whole thing now feels like we're on the same team as opposed to I'm trying to upsell you. I'm trying to get you in our program. I'm trying to, I'm the bad guy. I'm the sales guy. I'm the whatever, right? So because of those things, we try to disarm clients until our, and then from there, every step we can, let's reiterate and let's back that up. Hey, Mr. Smith, I know we finished today. We're going to come back tomorrow for this. Let me know. You know, again, we want to make sure that at the end of this engagement, so if there's any point here that we can do anything to ensure that you leave us a positive review at the end of this experience, just let me know. We're, I'm dedicated to that goal, right? And then all of a sudden, things start changing, right? And the conversation and the tone and where we move forward from is totally different. This is that empathy stuff you were talking about earlier. I love it. Um, well, well, listen, I want to try and make sure I, I get a an ads question in here. So okay. Shoot, you're, you're an expert not just in local SEO, but also in, in running ads. And, uh, you know, expert term. it's curious. This week there's a big announcement. <laughs> there's a big announcement. Google will be sunsetting expanded text ads in 2022. And um, now RSAs will be the only way to serve ads. 
Uh, curious what you what you make of the announcement. What do you think this means? Oh man, I think this is about control, and I think this is about them trying to kind of start forcing people to teach their machine more. So you know, we all saw that expanded text ads was a no brainer. The more content and the more copy that you put in the ad, the be- the higher the CTR and the more people click. Hey, that's a no brainer, right? I think Google is is their bet is is that over time their algorithm is going to get better and they're going to force us to be better marketers within that system. So it's kind of mutually beneficial for them and that they teach us how to be better in that system and their system gets better while they're doing that. You know, long term, Google has been nothing but super transparent and that they want us as search marketers to manage the machines and to and to think critically about um, connecting dots and pulling out insights but from a finding and, you know, attributing and a kind of, you know, targeting and a lot of those different things, they want us to step out of the way and to let the algorithms and the machine learning get in the way, so to speak, and get more educated. Um, it's going to be a struggle, man. It's going to, like, you know, we, we, we've played a lot. And at the end of the day, there's still a lot of times where res- responsive search ads just they don't, they don't do as well as expanded text ads. The combinations don't come through the way we want to. Uh, and, you know, so we just feel like there's still more misses and potentialities for misses. But this is like everything, this is, you know, this is like everything else. It's the eroding, it's the, um, the eroding perceived control of the platform that we've enjoyed for so long. I think, I think, I think this is part of also like, you know, to some degree, they got to beat the street. That, you know they have they have they have earnings and they have and so if they can get us to trust them more then ultimately that hope their hope is that we're going to spend more and so you know i know every call i have is like about our optimization scores and about how if we could employ you know employ this or that or like you know you really need we really want you to grow internationally well none of my clients do international business what do you want me to do like i'm not going to canada and running canada ads you know what i mean like we got no, nothing going on in Europe or Mexico. I don't know what you want. So, like, some of their goals are so yeah. esoteric to what they need as a business that they don't align. You know what I mean? I mean, you, there's no good reason for you to tell me, that in my mind, right, humble, not the most sharpest shed, tool in the shed. I get it. But there's no good reason for you to erode the very nature of what your platform was built on in the way that we target search queries. So we have three match types and you expanded to four and we all loved you for it. We sung your praises. Broad modified is the whole, it's like the perfect fit in between. Thank you. Awesome. And we felt so good there. But I think part of it is, is like that works for it. Like that whole world was built in a last click attribution model. And they know that their business can't survive in that because their growth comes from two channels now that are primarily awareness and consideration channels and not conversion channels, right? So they're future-proofing their business and that that we have to, like they have to teach us the value of a data-driven attribution, right? Or a linear decay or, you know what I mean? Or a a front and back loaded, right? But either one of those is going to pull weight off of the conversions that we've been juiced by for so long. Like for a decade, the whole industry has lived off of last-click attribution, and that's not always healthy when we talk about brand, when we talk about all the pieces to the puzzle, right? So it's a really interesting conversation. I saw that come out. It's like, 
I just kind of laugh, man, because like from the SEO side, it's like they took away not provide. You know, they gave us not provided and took away our keyword data. Yeah, there. It's right, like right, right. it's just this eroding. Like you know, I got into the paid search aspect because I thought it was like the coolest thing that you could put a dollar in and get a marketing dollar out and know exactly what that is and feel good about it. Um, and it just doesn't feel like that's exactly what we're still going towards. But at the same time, we continue to get new channels and. I feel like I can do more for my clients today than I could three, five, eight years ago. So I can't complain too much. Well, awesome. Well, listen, now we can have some fun. We're towards the end of the show. I want to start by asking you, you are now a national champion. Tell me about the Diablos and how this run to a championship came about. Man, I am a super blessed individual. I am like everybody else. I have some passions and some interest outside of search marketing and some hobbies. And uh, I started a semi-pro soccer team in 2018 uh, with a co-owner and a good friend of mine. Um, and so we were fortunate enough to go on a magical to, uh, run this summer and get hot at all the right times. And it was by no means, we went 13-1-1. One uh, and the one team that we tied, we ended up beating uh, in the playoffs. And the one team that we lost to, uh, we, or excuse me, yeah, the one team we tied, we ended up beating in the regular season at their house. And the one team we lost to away, we ended up beating at home in the playoffs. Um, beat teams from California. I, I, we're in Dallas. Beat teams from um, you know all over the country, really. Cleveland, Ohio, the East Coast. Yeah, and it ended up winning the national championship, which is amazing. You know, I mean, listen, for those that can see, the uh, the trophy sits right up there behind me um, up on the shelf right now until we can get a uh, trophy shelf built at the team store. So, yeah, it's it's been, it was an amazing summer, man, just absolutely magical. Uh, and it's come with its own fun set of problems and questions and opportunities that uh, that we need, now get to solve for. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super blessed. The Denton Diablos, DentonDiablos.com. Somos Diablos, vamos Diablos. Well, congratulations. I got to get some gear before I come out there next time. I need no, do it. Yeah, come down and we'll get you through the team shop, man. We've got some amazing pint glasses that you can typically oh, like. I need one of those. Yeah, pint glasses. We got nice. They look, they look good on the show. They yeah, do, man. Exactly. This is every day. This is this is this is daddy's uh, daddy's medicine comes in a in an East Side Diablos pint glass. Awesome. Ah, well, this is the last one. This is everybody's favorite part of the show. This is where Greg gives me a question. There is no context given. He gives me like two or three words usually. Okay. And uh, it's kind of a high wire act for both of us. Okay, so I like Here's this. what he has for you, Damon. Four Seasons Dinner. Oh. Does this ring a bell to you? You know, there's moments, you know, uh, Epic is so overused. But there's a, and I'm not a food guy. Like I am the most pragmatic when it comes. I love a good steak. I always will love a good steak. I'm a Texas boy. So I love a good steak, love a good potato, love some veggies and love a good whiskey. Um, I'll eat anything. And You know, we travel the world and thanks to some friends in the industry, I've had a chance to expand my palate and, you know, there, I love all forms of protein. So, you know, anything that crawled, walked or breathed at any time, I'm typically into consuming it. But I will say without a doubt, when I think about like the greatest meals I've ever had in my life, like not even, you know, just in my life, it's top five, not even like without a doubt, no consideration. And then I'd have to go real hard to think about other meals that came close from an overall. I took my wife on our honeymoon to the Palms. 
Um, the Palms is really good every time. And, my, and a guy I played soccer with was the executive chef there at the time, his dad, excuse me. Um, so his dad took us on like a chef's tour that was amazing. We did the same time with my wife. One time we did the same thing uh, in San Antonio at a really nice restaurant down there. Private chef, good friend, crazy. But from a, just walking in and especially like a dinner, that's a, for people that don't know, if you ever get a chance, um, our buddy Steve Hammer is an absolute magician yeah. when it comes to creating dinners that, you know, transcend the normal dining experience in whatever regard. Every time is different. And so, I can yeah, that, yeah, that for that, that, you know, I feel bad because Greg didn't come, come to Barton G's, which was the next night. But that whole Miami trip, like I was just looking through my phone earlier trying to find a headshot of my son and I had to scroll through that trip and I was like, oh my goodness, was that, I mean, everything we tried was like, oh my God, that's the best I've ever had of that, of whatever. And it was just not, I mean, the salad was, it was a Caesar salad. It was like, oh my gosh, this is hands down, unequivocally. I agree. Correct. The best Caesar salad I've ever eaten. And And everything was made, the dressing was made table side. And then the, you know. This, this is why I love Mark, because we sit down and everybody's picking out their meals. Uh, and this is what I'll never forget about that is I don't know that I've ever made a friend so quickly at, like as a grown adult. Like So we're sitting there and everybody picks their meals out for the people that weren't there. And everybody picks out what they want. And everybody's kind of like on their own p- pathway. One guy wanted the fish. One guy wanted the – Greg wanted a steak, I think. Uh, and uh, Steve wanted some other pasta dish or something. And then I kind of looked at you. I was like, "Do you want to go surf and turf on this thing?" And it was like, "Yes." <laughs> and there was a huge lobster, and there was a huge piece of meat. It was like we can split these and have an amazing yeah. meal. And it was like we didn't even have to have much discussion. It was like, "Yeah, I'm into that." Okay, cool. Yeah, we're in. And then we ran it back the next night. And it was like two of the most amazing meals I've had in my, in my life. So, yes, man, if you ever get a chance and you're in Surfside, Florida, north of Miami, hit the Four Seasons and. Uh, what is it? The Surf Club? Yeah, the Surf Club at surf the Four Seasons. Yeah. Thomas surf- Keller. Oh my goodness! It was it's a Art Deco quintessential, like probably what I would think forties or fifties Miami vibe would feel like. Super cool. It was awesome. Unbelievable. Well, I loved it. I mean, I love I love uh, I loved uh, I loved kicking it with you at those dinners. It's been awesome to get to meet you. We we got to do this again. Have a have one of these cold ones in in person in Dallas at some point. And uh, congratulations on all the success to the Diablos, which you've got going on professionally. You're, you're just one of my favorite people around. Right, man. I appreciate that, Mark. The same, dude. That same. You and Greg and everybody you got at Search Labs are just building an all-star team. Mark Irvine up there. So super respectful of what you guys are doing and building. I appreciate the platform opportunity hosting me today, all that good stuff. So, yeah, man. You come through Denton. I got a uh, tomahawk ribeye at my local steakhouse that's that's ready and they don't have it doesn't come with lobster but they do have these massive uh they call them linguista uh shrimp that are like little mini they're like mini lobsters big shrimp they're cool i think you'd like them um so yes i think i'll be all right yes i think we'll have to go there and, and then uh do some tx whiskeys perfect well, I got to stop it there. I'll, I'll meet you again in, in Dallas at some point. We'll be back next week with another episode of Southern Search. Damon, thanks again for coming on. Mark, my pleasure, buddy. You have a great day.